Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. It's time now for Getting to Know You. Your host, retired senior Hamilton County Commissioner, Curtis Adams. Well, we've got a great guest here today, Dr. Harry Jackson. And Harry, I've looked forward to meeting you. I've heard a lot about you. You've got mm-hmm. a great background. And uh, the, the pro- the, 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 this program is devoted to mm-hmm. know something about people that we don't know. In other words, I've right. had a lot of <laughs> contacts in political life and the newspaper mm-hmm. business. I've had some newspaper people here and politicians. And every time they're here, I'm, I'm amazed at some of the things that I didn't know about them. You right. know, you don't you know them now and what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. But with your background, uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about your background. You're, of course, at Temple University in 1970, but at Bonnie Oaks, uh, I want you to bring us up to date mm-hmm. on all that. I did. I was born and raised here in Chattanooga. Real proud of it. Real proud of my city, and um, I spent uh, nine years at the Bonnie Oaks School, and I'm very proud mm-hmm. of that. And uh, after I left there, I went into a foster home, and the lady that was a foster mother had some contacts here at Tennessee Temple in Highland Park, and uh, she was able to get me into uh, school, mm-hmm. and I started here in 1962, and then I got drafted and, and uh, uh, went into the military. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you're, you're, you're with the Veterans Affairs, is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm the acting team leader at the uh, Chattanooga Vet Center, which is part of the D- Department of Veterans Affairs. Mm-hmm. How's, what, what's some of the things you do there, Eric? Well, our mission is to uh, counsel with combat veterans, and any veteran that was uh, sexually traumatized while serving in the military. And within the past couple of years, uh, Congress has approved that we can also do bereavement counseling with um, mothers, wives, sisters, whomever that's lost a loved one in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now those people, when they go over to Afghanistan or Iraq, they pay a real price, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, just what they see, if they don't get killed, uh, and, you know, I, I feel sorry for this soldier that killed all these people in Afghanistan. Yeah. But when you take a veteran like that, 30-something years old, it, with a great background, something had to happen to him. Something it, he, to he wasn't born to be a killer. No. And, and he's in trouble now. But, but there's a lot of things happened to him that we couldn't explain. Right. And he probably could. Um, what do you do when you got, you're talking to a guy that's – He's looked at people getting their legs blown off and all these kind of things that, that have to, to put that where we'd understand it. You know, have you ever been and come up on a car wreck and somebody killed or mm-hmm. blood on the street? Just think about how they see that all the time. Right. And you, you, you deal with those kind of people. I so, do. And how do you go about that? Well, one of the things is building a relationship with them and a trust. And that's a big hit that they take and uh, uh, being able to trust people. So let them tell their story a lot of times and then talk to them about how to deal with the, the uh, stress of that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is what many of them have. So uh, um, we spend a lot of hours. I, at the vet center, I have individual, about 120 individual cases and about five groups. One of those is a wives group, helping them to understand what their husband went through mm-hmm. and how to work with them on that. So. Just, just basically teaching them. Uh, I tell the veterans that the battle is right in the mind. That, that's yeah. where the battle is, and the Word yeah. of God really teaches that. So uh, you read a lot about in the newspapers in the past about 
some people critical of what we do for our veterans when they come back. Do you feel like we're doing a pretty good job with it? Oh, I think we are now, absolutely. And that's one of the things. I deal mostly with Vietnam vets, and I am a Vietnam vet. And uh, uh, a lot of those guys still remember. You know, it's been 75, what, 47 years since uh, – Yeah. 37 years, excuse me, since the end of the war, official end of the war. And they still uh, remember uh, – the, how society treated them and and so they're very very uh encouraged by what the society is doing today when a young boy goes overseas does he get extra money he does he gets a little bit extra money not much though not he? not a whole lot uh, compared to what he's putting online so yeah he gets a little extra money well we'll always have somewhere some of our troops somewhere i think i think the so. way it looks to me right and we always get one trouble spot quieting down and then mm-hmm. we have another one I noticed in uh, in your um, resume about all the medals you've won. I mean, that's yeah. amazing, about 12 of them here. All right. Explain some of those to us. Well, let's see. I won the um, Bronze Star. Yeah. Uh, I was able to get that. And uh, then also the Army Commendation. I was over there during the Tet Offensive of 1968, and that's when most – that's when the peak of uh, – the, the dying went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, May of 68 was the uh, the highest year and month of deaths, over 2,000 in one month. And uh, so I that's, that's why I earned that, an Army Combination Medal with a, a Valor device and uh, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross that was provided by the Southern, you know, South Vietnamese government. And uh, so j- just a lot of different ones, the National Defense Service Medals, which everyone gets. And uh, so there, there's just uh, quite a few. Well, I know you're honored to have all those. Uh, another thing that was, I thought was interesting where you was deployed to Fort Hood, Texas. Mm-hmm. Tell us something about that. Well, I was really honored to be part of that. There were eight of us around the nation. Uh, there are 300 vet centers in the nation now. And, and uh, so I was one of eight counselors that were sent down there and deployed to, to Fort Hood. And I guess we that week we saw over three to four thousand soldiers and families uh, dealing with the shooting. I could see where the shooting took place, not too far from us. And so we we have mobile vet centers now, mm-hmm. and um, so we we had four of those deployed there. And I worked out of one of those mobile vet centers, and so many people came to us and hurting. And and what was interesting, I I talked to a lot of soldiers who uh, were getting ready to go on their fourth tour back into iraq or afghanistan and uh so that that's just tough for them to do that what about uh, now that was a case where an american soldier mm-hmm. killed americans right that was a terrible thing wasn't it it was and that's that's it really violates them in the sense they were so, they thought they were coming back to a safe haven out of a war zone yeah and uh what happened was that it wasn't and they didn't know that where, where is he now, Harry? Uh, he's, he's still, I'm mindstanding, he's at uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. They've had in, a trial yet? Uh, not yet. They really haven't. So uh, they're, they're uh, still lingering on uh, uh, making you know how to keep putting things off. So he's, yeah. he's still. Uh, what about the, uh, the, the guy over in Afghanistan now? He, he'll be charged with murder, right? And yeah. then And then they'll... Uh, say that he probably he which is true he probably had something happen to him that his mind mm-hmm. just went completely right i mean right w- when you hear about his background his family i mean he's that was his third tour wasn't it 
Uh, actually, it's fourth. He was three in uh, Iraq and one in Afghanistan, and that's where he was when all of this took place. So, uh, yeah, they'll try him and, uh, and by, probably be uh, by uh, a military court of yeah. justice. And, yeah. And, in 1968, Betty Graham was in Vietnam. Do you, do you remember that? You know, um, I was down uh, about 25 miles south of Saigon, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't remember that, but I know Earl has played uh, clips of him being over there. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times I wasn't able to, to travel. We were about, even though it was 25 miles, it was a very treacherous area. And so once I got stuck down there, I basically stayed there, uh, except when we really had to go mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And um, but I don't remember that. I sure don't. What about the uh, f soldiers in combat? What about the Christian faith? Does that have a lot of bearing on their minds? And it, it does. It, I know it did for me as well. And I had uh, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson uh, wrote me several letters while yeah. I was there and encouraged me and telling me yeah. he was praying for me. But it really does. Yeah. Tell me about your relationship with him, where you met him, and everything. Well, you know. Uh, when I went into the foster home, again, out of Bonnie Oak School, my foster father worked at a grocery store on um, Macaulay Avenue. And so uh, what he did, Dr. Robertson uh, purchased groceries from there, he and his family. And many times, like on uh, late Saturday night, uh, I would go up there and deliver those to him. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and I, that's where I got to know him, man. Just a gracious man. And well, when he walked in, you knew he was different, didn't you? He did. He, he, he did. Was, he Absolutely. looked apart, didn't he? He did. I, I remember, I got, I've got to tell this, I, when I got my draft letter back in 66, uh, I went to him. I didn't really know what to do. I went to his office. He's always open, really, to us. And, and uh, he said, well, Harry, have you been called to preach? And I said, no, sir, I haven't. And as far as I know, he said, well, you need to go do your duty to your country. Yes, sir. Just get it done and come back and finish your work here. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so, and, then, and then while you were there, he corresponded with you. He did. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, he's one of a million. Absolutely. And uh, when you looked at him, you knew he was different. Mm -hmm. If you didn't even know him, you know he's different. Yeah. And, you know, I was with the paper, and we covered Highland Park like it was a Super Bowl. Yes. Chattanooga Free Press. Right. All their Bible conferences, and, mm -hmm. and we'd do features on Lee Robson, sell a lot of papers. Yes. One of my favorite uh, stories about him, he was standing at the airport, and he was standing there and had his overcoat over his arm, waiting on the gate mm -hmm. to open, and, and the sun was just coming up. Wow. And the title of the story, Chattanooga's Most Traveled Citizen. Wow. And... Uh, and then one time I was in Jacksonville, Florida, at the airport, and run into him. He was going somewhere. Is that right? <laughs> but it, it, he, had, he was blessed with everything, voice, personality, yeah. appearance. He had it all, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the dads in my life that I didn't have. Malcolm Adamson being another one of those, a superintendent of the Bonnie Oak School. I don't remember what year it was, but one year the Associated Press uh, named him and uh, – Roy McDonald, the president of the oh, publishing yeah. company of the Free Press, and Mr. Roy was chairman of the board of Blue Cross, hmm. and for 25 years he was chairman of the board at Erlanger. Wow. And they they picked, they said Lee Robinson, and that was because of this big school at that time, mm -hmm. and this big church, and Lee, uh, Roy McDonald were the top ten leaders of Tennessee, wow. most prominent leaders. That was a good I can designation there for them. Yeah. But anyway, he had that common touch, too, didn't he? He did, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he was the kind of guy that everybody respected. Mm -hmm. Another thing I want to ask you about, uh, 
when you got through with the bunny oaks and you went into a foster home what mm-hmm. do you mean foster home well um i didn't have a family to go to yeah and so um somebody adopted you uh well became a foster child i wasn't adopted but this family made themselves available through the state to and in the city and the county to take someone to their home and i just happened to be well, how, did, how did you come up with your name harry if you didn't have a parent uh, how did you come up with that harry? well i did i did have a mom and dad oh you did yeah i did and my dad died when i was about um eight and a half i guess i don't remember him a lot and my mom what's interesting i found out later that she grew up the same amount of time that i did at the bonnie oak school mm-hmm. so she spent nine years and grew up there and then later on in life i spent nine years so uh, I got it from my mom and dad. They, I, I do remember them, but not a great deal. You know, a, a good example of what can happen to a young person, it, whatever his lot mm-hmm. in life, uh, he can do well if he's got the proper people that loves him, and that's what we're lacking in our community now, a lot yeah, of our, the gain problems and those kind of things. It is. That, uh, we didn't have that years ago, but yeah. if we had some way that somebody could love these guys or show them some kind of attention— right and try to get them in church absolutely but if you didn't get them in church just have somebody love them and and Mm -hmm. be sincere about it Mm -hmm. well what did you think about uh the uh situation where we had all the gain what was your what was your thought when you read read all this stuff somebody Um, was raised like you you had every mm -hmm. reason in the world to go in the wrong direction right well, I, I agree with what you're saying there. It's just someone making, uh, having a relationship with these. <clears throat> and I grew up uh, not, you know, we, we had that strong uh, consistency of uh, training and so forth. And then I worked at Bethel Bible Village for 16 and a half years and just uh, let these guys, uh, gave them the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I found out when I was there was that a lot of these homes, uh, a problem kids today in gangs <clears throat> the father's absent in most cases i would say mm-hmm. at least that's what i found back then and uh, there was no real parental guidance and love and and concern for them so they let them just go their way so there, there needs to be someone somehow that they can make a relationship with these kids and make an inroad if, if somebody they let they need to know somebody cares about that's it. right somebody needs to know uh, when they go to school, somebody know they're doing what they're doing in school, and that's mm-hmm. what we're lacking in our homes. We I are. read a story in Time magazine the other day. It's, it's uh, alarming. Fifty-three percent of all the babies born in America that the mothers under thirty are uh, illegitimate children. Wow. No, no daddy. Don't know their daddy. Right. And so th- we we didn't have that when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a little older than you. I'm 79 next yeah. month. I'm probably older than you. Well, I'll be 68 in well, October. You, you're just a yeah. child. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a child, like Earl Friedberg. Yeah, just, like Earl. Yeah, uh, but uh, you you had a you, you drew, grew up in a good period in Chattanooga. And, I did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tell me some other things. What about your family? Well, I have two children and uh, two grandchildren, and I'm in my second marriage, and I have a wonderful wife, and mm-hmm. she has two uh, children and two grandchildren. So we have four together, and. We, we make it a point to have a family night every week with our kids and grandkids, and mm-hmm. we've been doing that for about 10 years now. So That's we, good. We really enjoy that. When you grew up, uh, did you ever have uh, – did you ever belong to Highland Park? Uh, not growing up, but I did go to Camp Joy several but you times. But you went to school here. I did. Your connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and after you – while you was in school, you got it, uh, drafted. I did. I got my draft models notice in 1966, and so I went on in and 
spent two years at uh, yeah, and Fort, uh, some time at Fort Campbell and then Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and then went to uh, Vietnam, came back and came back to school. What about uh, boys in the Army uh, and people you deal with now, what about their faith? Do they, do, do a lot of them have a lot of faith in God and uh, our church people? Do, do, do you have that? One of the things that we do on in talking with brand new clients, uh, veterans that come in, uh, doing the intake with them, and uh, one of the things I ask them about was religion important, is the way I put it, to their family. And through that question, I find out pretty quickly whether or not they know the Lord and uh, What's, what's awesome is that those men and women that are Christians, uh, their counseling goes much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they he, seem to heal much quicker and so forth. So just probably uh, a little bit more that are non-Christian than, than are. Uh, I'm sure you run into a lot, of, a lot of them that are bitter, though, don't you? I do. Are bitter I do. about their service or bitter about what happened mm-hmm. or better against the country what do, you, what do you what do you do in a case like that well i again i i work hard toward gaining a relationship with them and just just care for them to show my care and uh and some of them you'll never change but just keep just keep keep showing a great uh concern for them and uh, being with them in that regard if a guy's bitter he's going to stay bitter I, I, i'm a problem yeah a lot of times uh, sure but, will. but you but you deal with all kinds and you, you you i'm sure you see a lot that's enthusiastic about what they've done they're proud mm-hmm. of what they've done and you've got others that are having trouble being adjusted and right. this kind of thing they do uh, i mentioned that i have five <laughs> groups and uh every once in a while especially in the groups uh it really comes out we have some tough times so if somebody wanted to call you harry how do they let me get your number okay here. sure it's uh area code 423 823 Six five seven zero. Okay, seven five four two three eight five five six five seven zero. Yes, and this is people that's ser- have to be somebody served in the military. Yeah, they have to have served in combat. Combat, uh, combat. Uh, sure. But but whatever their needs are, you can help them. In some we'll way. Do, yes, we'll do our best. Yeah. I, I think we have a fine staff. We have an office manager and uh, three other counselors besides myself. So uh, we're looking now uh, shortly for a new two new people. <coughs> so you think we're well set in Chattanooga? I think so. <coughs> I think we have a good staff there at the cl- outpatient clinic as well. What were some of the problems? Uh, <coughs> what was the hospital? It was old uh, Reed, uh, Walter Reed? Uh, Walter Reed, right. Yeah, now they had uh, a complaint, a lot of complaints about that, didn't they, because of the care? Yeah, just the care and the, the, they were letting it get run down and so forth and uh, it, they just they, a lot of the veterans were complaining about that not being taken care of. Yeah, so they got that corrected. They did. Yeah. My understanding now they they've closed it down. Yeah, uh, but they did they did get it corrected before then. And, do, uh, do we still have a program where if uh, if a boy lost a leg or something, uh, he still gets money after his service? He he does. He has to apply for service connection. And uh, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to go down to what. Um, they call it the, uh, uh, a big uh, a program down there in, in, in San Antonio, Texas, where we b- were able to, uh, they bring all the burned victims and all the ones who had uh, amputations and so forth and really helping them down there next to the Fisher House. And mm-hmm. It's really it's awesome. So if a guy, let's say a guy lost both his legs, mm-hmm. at one time he'd have a special equipped car, wouldn't he? 
Yes, and I think the VA would even go to that point of doing that. So as well. we still do that. We do. And then if he can't work, he's got some kind of government mm-hmm. money to help him. Yes, he does. Yeah. And they had to apply for service connection and uh, through the Department of Veterans Affairs. Yeah, and yeah. They'll easily get that. Do they have a proposed uh, location up in Bradley County? Are they working on uh, that? They are working on that. I'm a member of the uh, uh, Chattanooga Area Veterans Council, and we talk about that every couple of months. And But they still have the property, and someone's donated that, and it's still uh, ongoing but it's it's dropped down on the list of priorities uh, with the VA uh, but uh, it, it'll eventually get there and it and be a great thing a lot of the Vietnam vets are reaching on getting on up in the years now yeah. so uh, there's going to be a real demand for that you know I read the other day where Cleveland's population's 41,000 hmm. Bradley County uh-huh. uh, I can remember when it was sort of like a little country town hmm. with a square but it's really boomed hasn't it it really has but you do you go into Bradley County or some of your people come yes absolutely they're, they're coming to your facility now mm-hmm. yeah we have uh, we're responsible for 23 counties in Tennessee 23 in Georgia and two in Alabama or three in Alabama so mm-hmm. we have uh, our catchment area is quite large so they can cross the state lines and come to see us. It's a federal facility, so they they can do that. Do you uh, reach as far when you're talking about veterans uh, helping them with the National Cemetery for mm-hmm. Bear and those kind of things? Yeah, we can. Um, we're not much of a benefits um, agency, but we know how to direct them to them. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I tell the guys I know just enough about veterans benefits to get me in trouble, but I know where to direct them. So. We, sh- we can sure help them with that. So if you have problems, you can always lean on our congressman. I mean, you could, <laughs> our senators, to get some help. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've had to do that before, haven't you? Well, not so much us. We have to be careful with that because that, uh, the veterans themselves can. Yeah. They can they can do that. In fact, they get help from uh, Senator Corker and Alexander and, yeah. and other representatives. You know, all the years I was in office, I have veterans come to see me, not a normal thing, but every once in a while a rare thing. And, mm-hmm. and I'd get all the story, and then I'd send a story, my my thoughts to down to Zach Wump and mm-hmm. uh, the congressman and in a lot of cases they'd come back later and think it'd be some minor something mm-hmm. uh, their pension got messed up or something right and uh they they always were real helpful uh, when you needed them the way I've seen it so far I've been there 22 years and uh all the uh senators and representatives that have been in there have really been helpful mm-hmm. in a lot of ways so. what'd you do before you got with the veterans administration you get come well, out of the army and, and uh, well i came in the army and went to uh, bethel bible village and spent mm-hmm. 16 and a half years there yeah. is it still strong going strong it's uh, pretty strong yeah uh-huh. they've had to drop off because of the funding and so forth i guess like any other agency now this do. bethel is a, a place where if you don't have a mother and daddy right is that well they do but uh it's it used to have the uh, the unique uh, ad- admissions policy, and that is you had to have been uh, one parent had to have been incarcerated at some point, uh-huh. in time. but that's no longer there. So they do have mom and dads, but they can't take care of them. They're uh-huh. unable to take care of them in some way. So uh, it's how many do they have? You know, I don't know now. The highest point when I was there was like sixty-five children. That's a lot. Yeah, when I first went to Bonnie Oaks, we had one hundred seventy-five kids there. So that we had a large family, we, they taught us how to work, uh, how to obey, and all those things. Yeah. Did when you was at Bonnie Oaks, did you go to our public schools? 
I did. Yeah. Now, earlier on, when I first got there, they had an elementary school on campus. Uh-huh. And then I went to up in the Tyner, Tyner Junior High and Tyner High School. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed uh, you are members of Dallas Bay Baptist Church mm-hmm. and a Sunday school teacher, gatekeeper Sunday school class. Yeah, the gatekeepers Sunday school class. And one of the, the things that we like about we have about 60 in that class. Uh-huh. And the, one of the things that I like about that class, it's really a, a praying class, and uh, it really encourages me. And we have a good group, good leaders, uh, and then we have a good pastor, a good church. Uh, Dr. Ken Dugan is our pastor, and it's really a growing church. Uh, but uh, it really teach the Word of God, and, and I'm just really happy to is be there. Is he from here? He's, uh, he is. He's uh-huh. from here. Grew up in Saudi Daisy. Yeah. And, uh, got his doctorate at... Uh, Covington uh, Theological Seminary, and uh-huh. so uh, a real great Bible teacher. I always like to ask people in the Baptist church this question. I'm a Baptist. One of the big problems in Baptist churches is the music. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of churches have tried to have two services to, for the mm-hmm. young people. Uh, they, they've tried everything, to, and I know the, mm-hmm. the, the motive to do that is to entice the young people. Mm-hmm. But then the problem, the, the – um, the older citizens don't like that type of music. Right. So what do y'all do at Dallas Bay? Well, we have a good uh, – Rick Green is our uh, song leader, worship leader, and uh, he does a good job. And uh, a lot of it, it's um, uh, choruses and so forth. But I, I send him an email every once in a while and say, Hey, Rick, how about uh, sending some of these old-time hymns? And uh, so they do that as well. But we also have – they have a youth group. Uh, as well, going at the same time. I heard one prominent pastor say the worst thing you could do is have two services mm-hmm. because you're separating the family. Right. And I think there's merit to that. Yeah. Uh, I think what I think the church is doing well. You could have one or two songs for the mm-hmm. young people and and do something else with the elders. Right. Well, we've outgrown them really our facility, and uh, we just recently purchased uh, uh, a building over in, in Northgate area. And um, that's our uh, Northgate campus, and they have services there as well. So we're in the process of uh, our building fund, and hopefully one day I have a, a big sanctuary where all of us can meet together. Now, you, you're you not moving out of the neighborhood where you are no, now? No, going to stay there and just build bigger. And you got a building where? Uh, it's in Northgate. It's the Northgate campus. It's where uh, service merchandise used to be. Oh, okay. To, so you just rent uh, a big space. Yeah, well, actually, we bought that building. Bought and, the building. Uh, and they're, they're using that for Northgate Campus. And they've got some unique things going over there. Um, they have – a pastor has what's called power lunches where he – people in the community can come over to the church there mm-hmm. uh, during the weekdays, and they'll sit down and ask all kinds of questions. They have a cafe uh, that they can – they bring up real difficult questions, biblical questions, and the pastor's there to – to talk about that and it's, it's really something uh, unique and good what do you have a service there on sunday we uh, they do they do so they have a separate service they have a separate service because we've got so many people but they have a separate service there and a separate one at our church we used to have two or three at dallas bay but it got it got so uh, so what difficult. you're hoping to do is eventually have a building big enough to have everybody yes right and would you have it over there at that Northgate location? No, we'd have it at uh, one in Saudi there, uh-huh. Hicks and Saudi. So you're hoping to build there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good problem, isn't it? It is. It's real good. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, it really is a great church. I'm just really grateful to be in there with a the pastor. Harry, this is probably the 
fastest 30 minutes you've ever spent. <laughs> and uh, you've got a great background. We could talk a well, long thank time. You. Thank you. But I do want you to know I appreciate what you do. I know well, the importance of it. And I know we want to take care of our veterans because they've yes, taken care of us. Absolutely. And thank you so much. Well, appreciate you being here. Thank you, Curtis. Thank I you. appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you, getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. You've been listening to Getting to Know You, a program designed to learn more about your friends who live and work in our community. Our host today, retired senior Hamilton County Commissioner, Curtis Adams.